Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm talking to Berenice Mertens. Berenice is French, 30 years young and a yoga therapist specializing in eating disorders. In her studies to become a yoga therapist, she wrote her thesis on yoga therapy for eating disorders and she has also developed an eight-week yoga course for the treatment of EDs. Berenice understood the incredible benefits of yoga to restore the brain chemicals, digestive system, bone density, joint pain, the nervous system, the list goes on all impacted by eating disorders. Berenice recovered from a decade of suffering from eating disorders and yoga felt like the missing piece of the puzzle in her recovery. Yoga made Berenice reconnect to her body in a way that no other physical activity had done. It taught her to respect, feel, listen to and take care of her body and soul. Yoga is absolutely Berenice's passion and sharing it with people recovering from eating disorders is what makes her jump out of bed with joy every day. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Berenice today to hear more about her healing journey, the benefits of yoga in eating disorder recovery and how she supports people to heal. Let's get to the conversation. This week's episode is brought to you by The Recover Clinic. So many of us treat and talk to ourselves critically. But that internal narrative hasn't come from nowhere. We weren't born thinking about ourselves and behaving in that punishing way. We came into this world full of joy and wonder with courage, compassion and creativity at our core. Somewhere along the way, we lost that. The Recover Clinic has been a leading treatment provider for eating disorders since 2004 because they know that unresolved trauma is the root cause of that unwell voice and that eating disorders are our response to that trauma. Developed as a means of coping with the shame and pain we feel within when our experiences haven't been validated and we haven't been taught how to deal with them in any other way. Their unique approach looks beyond the presenting symptoms and helps clients to strive for more than just managing their eating disorder. It guides them towards a freer future, provides a safe space to be seen and heard, uncovers who they really are and encourages them to embrace that individual in all areas of their life. Their 12-week recovery program explores how past wounds could be impacting your relationship with food and self today and supports you to develop a transformational self-caring toolkit featuring clinical and nutritional masterclasses, live Q&As and guest workshops all designed to empower you to finally say goodbye to your eating disorder and hello to who you are always meant to be. Visit therecoverclinic.co.uk slash edprogram. That's the recoverclinic.co.uk slash edprogram to learn more today. And the link is in the show notes. Hi, Berenice, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you for having me. Thank you for anyone listening. So, Berenice, please could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes. So, my name is Berenice. I am French and I live in Panama. 
I am a certified yoga therapist specializing in the treatment of eating disorders. And I'm also an emotional eating coach. And I hold trainings in trauma and also in practitioner skills for the treatment of eating disorders. So that's what I do. But before all of that, I have a history of eating disorders. I started to have full-blown eating disorders when I was 16 years old. And it went on for about 10 years. And it displayed as anorexia, bulimia, binging, purging, overexercising, orthorexia. So I had the full spectrum. And what happened during my recovery is that I once hit rock bottom, I think, when I was 19, I had a very bad bulimia episode and I was crying in the bathroom. And I remember that day, I just felt very helpless and I started to do something very unusual that I never did before. I prayed <laughs> and I just said, if you help me recover, I promise I will help others recovering too. And I was 19. And I think that was a very big aha in my recovery. It planted the seed because later on, of course, I forgot that prayer, <laughs> the eating disorder took over after. But then when I really wanted to recover, I needed a why, a motivation, something that will pull me out of the disease. And I was just becoming more and more spiritual with all the yoga and meditation and all of that. And one day I just asked guidance and I heard a voice telling me, well, remember that promise you made when you were 19, it's time to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of a woo-woo part here, <laughs> but bear with mm -hmm. me. So this has just become the motivation and my heartfelt purpose for all these years. So that's why I started to study yoga first to become a yoga teacher. I was 25 when I first stepped my toes on the yoga mat. And I didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> I had a lot of resistance. And at that time, I was still struggling with less bits of eating disorders. I would say very controlling with the food, rigidity, and a lot of exercising because I didn't want to get fat. Of course, I think that's one of the big fears in recovery. And it was still very obsessive. And it didn't make me feel well. I felt that something that was still wrong. So... I stopped the overexercising. I was running every day. And as someone who stops any addictive behaviors, like I felt like a smoker, honestly. I never smoked, but I can imagine. I felt restless. I felt irritable. I just had so much energy and I didn't know what to do with. And I felt a lot of anxiety too. So I decided to start yoga. It was one class offered in my gym. So I was like, yeah, let's give it a try. And I hated it. It was too slow. It was boring. It was an hour and a half. And the class was called Medi Yoga. So it was an extremely slow yoga, a sort of meditative yoga. And for someone who never slowed down, who never <laughs> sat down two minutes by herself doing nothing, it was excruciating. <laughs> so that's my <laughs> first yoga experience. <laughs> and yet... I think I found something on the yoga mat because something deep within me told me, go back to yoga, do yoga. And I felt good after. I felt a kind of calm and serenity, even though the first time I went, it was just for one tiny minute, you know, <laughs> but I felt there was something there that was healing. And I found connection on the yoga mat for the first time. 
I could reconnect with my body, get out of my head. I feel that when we are struggling with an eating disorder, we're a lot stuck in the head. You know, it's us struggling with the eating disorder voice and battling with all those thoughts, intrusive thoughts. And for the first time in yoga, I could just be in my body, reconnect with my body and not think my body. I don't know if that makes sense, but often someone, I mean, when I was struggling or even my clients, they tell me how they want to be, they want their body to be this way and that way, etc. But there is no being in the body. And that's what yoga really helped me to embody. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I kept on going to yoga and I quickly started to practice daily. And I don't know how I can explain that phase. It was just three months of intense resistance from the eating disorder screaming at me like, no, just exercise more. You need to sweat and all these thoughts, of course. And at the same time, there was a part of me that was healing and that knew that this was the right way. So I kept on going to yoga, meditating every day. Meditation was also life-changing in the sense that I started to be aware of the thoughts and not just acting on them unconsciously. And I realized I was not the thoughts. I was not the eating disorder voice. And I also had freedom to act or not on these thoughts. And this was a huge momentum. And that's also what I guide my clients to do, to start meditation, even if it's just one minute when they start every day, but just to commit and to start. After that, I just realized that the life I was living was just not, (laughs) how can I say? It was just not the right way to live for me anymore. It was not authentic. And I feel also recovering is stepping into your authenticity. And I felt I was not fitting in the boxes I had put myself in all those years. So it was time to just step out of the boxes and do something for myself for the first time and not for others. So um, I guess the universe hurt me because I lost my job (laughs) in this time of starting yoga and meditation and the healing work. The company closed because they went bankrupt. I was also tired of the country I was living in. At that time, I was living in Sweden. And I was like, okay, this is maybe the sign that I need to go. (laughs) I talked with my yoga teacher. I told her I would leave. And she asked me, what are you going to do? And she suggested that I would go to India to do a yoga teacher training course. And of course, my first answer was no. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a big resistant whenever <laughs> something is offered to me, be it recovering from eating disorders or becoming a yoga teacher, it's a no. <laughs> so if that's you, hang in there. <laughs> but after saying no, I was, you know, like, yeah, perhaps. And then the perhaps became a yes. So I flew to India and I had no intention to become a yoga teacher. For me, it was primarily to deepen my yoga practice and to discover the Indian culture and the way they're living, etc., the traditions. And when I was in India, I just felt so good that I decided to stay longer. In the end, I stayed six months in total. I had several trips there. I came back to Europe and I became a yoga teacher and I started to teach while healing, recovering and When I came back to Europe, I felt that yoga was great. Having therapy was great, but it was still not helping fully. Like something was still missing. I was still struggling with memories from the past. And 
a lot of anxiety, even though you get help massively, I still have anxious thoughts. So life was generous enough to put on my path a lovely lady who was a trauma therapist, but at that time I didn't know. <laughs> I just said mm-hmm. I had sessions with a lady. <laughs> I was like, she's just great. She, she mm-hmm. knows how to talk to me and how to guide me. She, she has the right words whenever we have, we have sessions together. So that's how I started to work with her. And later on, I realized I had PTSD. So I would say that's how my recovery happened. All the pieces of the puzzles coming together and myself being willing to do the work and looking for answers actively. And I feel like it reminds me of a quote from the poet Rumi, what you seek is seeking you. So when you seek recovery, somehow recovery is seeking you too. And I was teaching yoga, I was healing a lot. And at the same time, I felt that teaching yoga was not enough. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. really wanted to help people because of the promise I had made years and years ago to recover with a more holistic approach, having a mind-body approach and implementing yoga. So that's when I enrolled for a yoga therapy course for three years and I became a yoga therapist certified in eating disorders. And now that's what I do. And Mm -hmm. just telling this story, I'm just so happy and grateful for the journey because it's just amazing to be able to help and support others on their recovery journey now. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing. And what a journey it has been, hasn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's ongoing, isn't it, for all of us? We're always on that journey. <laughs> yeah, because, mm. I mean, I don't take my recovery from granted. You know, that's what I tell people because sometimes they ask me, for how long have you been recovered for? And I say, well, I've been recovered today. <laughs> and they're like, mm. uh, I know that today I'm recovered. I don't know about tomorrow. I have the tools. I have everything to support me. So it's very unlikely, but I don't know what life will throw at me. And I just always have, you know, like this, how can I say, possibility that it could happen. Mm. Hence, it gives me less pressure because if it ever happens, I know that I would be kind with myself. I would have a lot of compassion for myself. I would forgive myself and I would bounce back. Caveat here, I've been recovered fully for five years and I had a relapse or a lapse because it just happened once in 2019 after I lost my 22-year-old brother in a motorcycle accident. And that was Mm -hmm. the only time because, I mean, Mm -hmm. that was hard. And Mm -hmm. I used all my tools. I used the yoga, I used the meditation. I reached out for support. I was having therapy and, and all of that, but it was not enough. And sometimes when you're in so much pain, when you just want to check out for a while, well, Mm. you go back to old patterns, even though they're harmful. And I did. And I was like, okay, fine, that happened. I love myself because I tried my best. I just wanted to numb the pain and that's fine. And I moved on and then it never happened again. So Mm. I'm not saying that recovery is easy. I'm not saying that if you're listening, you're going to relapse for sure. But I'm saying that there's a possibility it can happen and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, no, well, thank you just for talking through that, Berenice. And I'm so sorry to hear about the loss of your brother. You know, what a devastating loss and such a young age as well. Yeah, thank you for your kind words, Harriet. Okay. So, Berenice, are you okay if I just sort of pick up on a few bits from your story? Because I think there's so much in there. 
Yes, please. (laughs) So can I ask you, like, you know, just a little bit about, you know, what you thought kind of contributed to you developing an eating disorder in the first place? Like, I'm aware of this, it's very complex. And, you know, there might be lots of things maybe as well that perhaps you wouldn't want to share, like, openly on a podcast to the world. But I guess, could you just perhaps just even to talk a bit more generally about some of the things that you think may have led you to use it as a coping strategy in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very open to my story, especially if it can help. I feel what really, I mean, when I was nine years old, my parents divorced. And that's when I started to be very obsessed with food, even though I didn't realize at that time, I just started to eat more, to be more focused on sweets, even though I was not really into sweets when I was a kid. But when my parents divorced, I felt lonely. I felt abandoned. I wanted to fix the situations, you know, like all this thoughts that have just happened in the head of a kid who is having his parents going through a divorce and food just became my comfort food became my how can I say my treat you know when it was hard food was sweet food was kind in a way food was Mm. not harming and I found a lot of well sweetness in food that makes sense and later on I mean For any mom listening to the podcast right now, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming how you're bringing up your children. But I grew up with a mom who was very focused on how she looks because as a woman in the 21st century, it's very important, right? We have so much pressure. Mm -hmm. So she was always very aware of her physique and what she ate, etc. So I think that I just indirectly took on this as well. And being a teenager, I mean, there were several things that really sparked, you know, like seeing a movie about a girl going through bulimia. It was not so much about prevention. It was more about how to become bulimic. (laughs) So Mm. I was like, oh, that's a cool movie, actually. She's bulimic and now she has attention from people and she can eat whatever she wants and be slim. So that's really how it impacted my brain. But I would say... What sparkled everything was when I turned 16 and it was a bit of chaos at home. It was a dysfunctional environment. Mm -hmm. And I ended up living by myself when I was 16 because my high school was too far from my mom's new boyfriend's place. So the deal was for me to stay at home the week by myself to go to school and then to hang out with my family during the weekend. So for the first time, I was living by myself and I was 16. And I didn't realize at that time, but the feeling of abandonment was huge. And to cope with that, I just started to not eat. I started to diet. And in the, yeah, that period when I was living by myself, I was watching a lot of TV and I saw a documentary about how overweight people can lose weight. And they mention a certain number of calories to not eat over, to lose mm. weight. And in my mind, I was like, well, great. I'm going to lose weight. That's fun. And it just became my goal. And also, like, you know, being a 60 year old, 60 years old, 16 years old, <laughs> one, six, 16 years old, you're a teenager, you're a girl, you want to look pretty, you know that boys pay more attention to certain girls than others and obviously I was not in the popular category so all of that was just impacting me and then I started to yeah diet and it led to anorexia so I would say the cause like well I've been diagnosed with PTSD so trauma and that's what I 
also noticed with my clients, everyone has been through trauma, 90% of the population. And when I talk about trauma, it's not necessarily huge trauma like sexual assault or being a war survivor or anything like this. Trauma can be you being two years old and your mom leaving you at school for the first time and having this feeling of abandonment. This is a trauma for a child. So trauma and, of course, pressure in society about how to look the size zero. And I grew up in the 2000s, you know, so Kate Moss was like super popular and, and the skinny jeans and all of that. So I think that fueled as well the eating disorder. So yeah, trauma, society, and also my thinking, my mind, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel there was a quote that said that jeans mm-hmm. are, well, it just said that jeans load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So that's it. Yeah. Mm, yeah, no, that's really interesting, actually. And I think it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But it does. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that really openly. And I, I think it just really illustrates, doesn't it, how our stories are very personal. And also eating disorders are quite complex, aren't they? And it can be a whole kind of many, many things kind of coming together and intertwining. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what struck me, Veronique, as well for you is there's obviously a kind of spiritual element really running through your recovery, although perhaps you didn't realize it at the time. And you talked about like when you were 19 and kind of saying a prayer and, you know, almost that kind of being a kind of a hit rock bottom moment, but then something that you came back to in your mind of the future. So has a spiritual part of, you know, recovery been really important for you and helping you to kind of get where you are today yeah 100 (laughs) percent i actually i think i've always been sort of spiritual in a way without realizing when i was a kid i was you know like believing in signs and talking sometimes to the sky or i think i've always been a bit (laughs) woo woo Yeah. But I denied that part, especially in the years of the eating disorders. Everything was very pragmatic. I was all about being reasonable and logic. So I was disconnected from that spiritual side. And I also went to a 12 step program for eating disorders in my early, early recovery days. And they talk about spirituality, you know, about having a higher power, building this relationship with God or anything you can believe in. And that planted another seed. And I was like, that's great. So I left the 12-step program because at one point it was not helping me anymore. It was great in the start, but not for Mm. like actively recovering. So I kept the positive and obviously spirituality was one side of it. Yoga also is very spiritual in the way that, I mean, there are teachers who are very spiritual, but yoga means union. So it means the union between the body, the mind, and the spirit or the soul. And it happens through the practice without you having the intention. So when I felt this reconnection with myself, it was something I never experienced before because, as I said, I was a lot in my head. I was thinking my body. I was always judging, etc. But for the first time with yoga, I was within myself, embodying myself. So when you start to embody that and also to realize you are not your mind, there's something deeper, more profound within you. So mm-hmm. you can call it your higher self, your inner self, your true self, whatever, your inner light or 
you start to realize that, yeah, there might be something else. And for me, surrendering my recovery to something outside of me was extremely helpful because I couldn't recover with the same mind that led me to develop eating disorders. So Mm -hmm. I needed something else. You cannot give all the credit of your recovery to your therapies or your dietitians or whoever you're working with, because I mean, they're not gods, (laughs) they're helping Mm. you, but in the end, recovery happens thanks to you. And for me, having a higher force that will just help me support me with which I could talk to anytime that was so comforting and so important for me. Yeah. So yeah, spirituality, 100%. I also observe that the clients I help who have this spirituality, who have a great relationship with their higher power or gods have an easier time to recover. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. And thank you for sharing that. Because I'm sure there will be people listening that who really resonate with that or also who may have never thought about sort of surrendering almost to a higher power and how that could be something Mm -hmm. to explore but it's interesting because it sounds like for you as well, it wasn't necessarily kind of planned, was it, that way? No. Like, you, you know, you were, na- <laughs> you were naturally, that's quite a spiritual person. But yeah, you, it wasn't that you were kind of seeking this spiritual path and it just kind yeah. of happened, didn't it? You know, it's really lovely to hear. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm one of the <laughs> most skeptical person ever. So, I mean, when I started yoga and they were talking of, you know, like, oh, feel the connection with the divine. And I was just like opening my eyes, like, no, I'm not doing that. What is she talking about? Mm -hmm. I went to India as the most skeptical person, you know, like, no, it's not true. You know, like, no, (laughs) like (laughs) questioning every single thing, being so resistant. And once again, I was resistant in my recovery. I was resistant on my yoga journey. I'm resistant with everything. So Mm -hmm. at one point I have to surrender this resistance. And I'm like the crazy person talking to God in the morning when I go on my morning walk, you know, I'm like, Hey, listen, that's how Mm -hmm. I'm feeling today. I'm super resistant. I don't want to do that. Even though I feel it's good, you know, and we talk (laughs) (laughs) and then I just believe someone out there or like the God of my understanding is listening and he's like, yeah, you've got this. I'm here. I'm leading you. Because when I started to stop relying only on myself to do life, when I thought I had to control every single thing and start to surrender, and one more time with a lot of resistance, life became easier and recovery became easier too. And I feel having a higher power or spirituality is not the same as being religious because I meet some clients who are believing in God, no matter what background, religious background they have. But there's this sort of like, oh, but God is punishing me with the eating disorder. Or if I don't do it right, if I don't recover well, God is going to be mad at me. So it's also Mm -hmm. stepping out of that because the divine God, higher power is loving you right here, right now, no matter where you are on your journey, your higher power wants the best for you. It wants you to thrive in life. It wants you to be happy, healthy, have energy and to live a great life. I really believe that we're on this planet to thrive and not to be miserable. Mm. And whatever challenge you're encountering right now, as hard as it may be, there's always the other brighter side. It's like the law of duality. You know, there's black, there's white, there is light, heavy. I shouldn't have taken that example, but I mean, yeah, duality, the opposite. So when there is dark, there is also light on the other side. 
So yes, spirituality. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> mm, no, I mean, it's good. I think it's just really great for you to be explaining it more actually. And because I think I'm sure it will really resonate with people and also just kind of give hope and something else just to sort of think about. Because I think when you have an eating disorder, And in life, generally, we do try, don't we, to control everything, be really sort of practical, logical, take everything on board, be like this kind of super person, but it's not really sustainable. Yeah, I think it's great to realize that maybe, you know, we don't have to do it alone. And, you know, yeah, just thinking a bit more about the spiritual world and, you know, even just perhaps reflecting on that for the first time. Yeah. And... That's what I tell people. It doesn't have to be hard. You know, you don't have to meditate like the Buddha for 40 days under a tree. You don't have to wake up at 4 a.m. and light candles and all these things. You know, spirituality is like you can just set aside five minutes every day, set the timer on and talk, talk to something outside of yourself, even though you don't believe it. And even in the start of my journey, I remember I was just like, hey, God, I just don't believe in you. I cannot trust you. You know, so much crap happened in my life. Well, why did you do that to me? I was mad at God or the universe or whatever. So I said that. <laughs> I mean, mm. I read once, God is like your friend, you know, so you should treat God like your friend. And if you're a good friend with God, then God is going to be a good friend with you. And I'm saying God now, but it could be the universe or higher power or whatever. So yeah, just build a friendship with something outside of yourself. And the more you imagine your higher power as, as something super powerful, kind, compassionate, loving, the better it is, because that's the kind of friend you want to support you for your recovery and for your life. So yeah, make sure to build a, or to <laughs> mm -hmm. develop a great relationship with a kind, compassionate, loving higher power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you say, Berenice, as well about the work you did with a trauma therapist? Because it sounds like that was a really important part of the puzzle and sort of helped sort of propel your recovery forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think what helped is that she first could understand where I came from because she also had her history of distorted eating. And the fact that she was really authentic about that, I felt like, wow, someone can understand me, you know, and not judge me or just try to fake that they understand like some therapists do. And she was extremely compassionate. No matter what I said, she would be like, that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> and I mean, that's the first time that someone would tell me after a binge, like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. And I was like, wow, who is she? <laughs> mm. She was not trying to fix me. And at the same time, I didn't realize she was doing a lot of work. She was definitely bringing me back into my body. So whenever I had a challenge, we would talk through about it. And we would analyze what was going on in the body. So coming back to the body. Mm. And from there, from the sensations, memories will come back, often from childhood. We would go back to that memory, do a bit of inner child healing, and also untangled what beliefs were built on this memory. So I'm going to say a quick example. Like, yeah, when I was two years old, my mom left me for the first time at kindergarten. And I was two. She told me, like, you can't remember that because you were two. But I do remember me looking at her through the window, screaming and crying. And the group... <laughs> 
of adults and children leaving me screaming because I was just a wild child, you know, mm. <laughs> and my mom left me for the first time. So I was just heartbroken and doing the work with my trauma therapist, we went back to that and she told me, yeah, you were abandoned and a lot happened, you know, and your nervous system was just on fight or flight, you know, like for the first time, your primary caregiver is just leaving you alone. And then it's just like seeing what beliefs were built on that. So, you know, it's very unconscious. Mommy leaves me mm -hmm. because I'm not good enough. I'm a bad child. I'm alone. So basically the group left me. So I was by myself. There was no one to comfort me. So being sad is bad. Being my true self, showing my emotion is non-accepted. All these kind of things. And then to see how they're impacting me in my adult life and just to be aware of them. So trauma healing was coming back to traumatic events, even, <laughs> even though they didn't mm -hmm. seem so traumatic to me, but you never know how something is impacting you. And then to analyze and be aware of all the beliefs that it built in my life, how it was impacting me. And little by little, it just got so much easier to do the work by myself. Of course, I'm still working with someone, but it just built a lot of awareness, a lot of compassion for myself, acceptance also, like it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. That's okay. And yeah, that's what we did. She was a great guide. So in contact with her she's still a great person and yeah i cannot recommend enough doing trauma therapy because i believe that trauma is really the root cause of any eating disorder and unless you address the root cause you cannot really move on i know some people are recovered but they're still having many thoughts they're just white knuckling not to have the behaviors and That's where I was at when I started to do the trauma therapy work. And after that, I could say, finally, I'm, I was free. You know, like when I talk about the eating disorder, it feels like it was in another life, if that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> I almost forgot the person I was at that time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for explaining that. And I think the real value, I'm completely with you with that. I think we need to go to the roots. So we need to like often for that true healing Because of it, it can almost be a worse place, I think, when you're kind of white knuckling it through and yeah. just trying to avoid the behaviors, but you're still got all the thoughts, all the judgments, and you probably still don't feel good enough deep down. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's replacing one addiction for another. So some people shift from mm. food to shopping or relationship or, well, spiritual bypass is also a thing, you know, being too spiritual. Mm. And also yoga, you know, at one point I had to slow down my yoga practice because I realized I was avoiding and numbing with yoga. And I mm. was, okay, hold on, <laughs> let's not <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> so mm. it's very subtle, but it's just to be aware and kind with ourselves and also careful. Mm. Yeah, and no, I think it just really shows, doesn't it, the value in having that awareness and how with anything, I guess, we can take it to that place where it becomes numbing or distracting or not really benefiting us in a sort of wholesome way. And it's important just to keep checking in with yourself, isn't it? And yeah, like really reflecting on, you know, the different tools you're using and how they're benefiting you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what, you know, when, I mean, I'm still sometimes avoiding it. I mean, we're human beings. We're wired to avoid pain and discomfort at any cost, mm, you know? Yeah. So whenever there's discomfort and we don't want to feel sadness or loneliness or stress, or of course it's our 
like mm. reaction to try to numb. So <laughs> sometimes I'm consciously avoiding. I'm aware of it, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. you're avoiding for the next hour. You're gonna do something else. But let's sit for five minutes after. <laughs> so I have <laughs> one hour when I'm consciously numbing. <laughs> yeah, the, and, it's uh, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for your honesty, because I think it's absolutely true, isn't it? Like, and I think it's an illusion, isn't it, that we are not, there is no kind of perfect endpoint, really. We're all on this journey. Yeah, and that's what I want to also bring out to the world, that recovery is not a perfect linear journey. It's simple. It's not easy. It's doable completely. Like, recovery is absolutely possible. And it's just about becoming your authentic self. And your authentic mm -hmm. self is not perfect. And that's okay because you are unique and the world needs a unique you. <laughs> mm. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> so, Veronique, can I just ask you to just extend a little bit more? Like when people work with you, obviously, like, you know, it's yoga therapy. So, how does that work? Like, how much of it is on the mat or is all of it? Or do you have any kind of more sort of traditional therapy sort of woven in? Or what does it look like? Well, it's now I mostly call it eating disorder recovery coaching because that's what I'm doing the most. And of course, I bring a mind body approach because that's really important for me. I feel like healing happens in the body. You know, the mind is yeah. talking a lot, but feeling and being in your body and embodying. And the work I did with my trauma therapist to come back to the emotions and because the issues are in the tissues, as they say. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> people talk like, yeah, I think, I think, and they. I tell my clients sometimes, what about stopping thinking? You know, what about we come back to the, your breath now? So a mind-body approach. And I really take people where they are on their journey. So if they're like actively engaging in eating disorder behaviors, for me, it's to help them to ground, to get out of the fight or flight mode, the fight or flight nervous system, that's called sympathetic, and to help them come back to more calm because Unless someone is grounded, we cannot really do the work deep. So grounding. And I like to call my method the R3M method. R stands for the root cause. So really getting back to the root cause gradually. I'm not pushing people. I'm not harsh. I'm not like, let's do it. What was the memory? Mm -hmm. No, I'm really compassionate and kind in my approach. Then M stands for menu, of course, because I mean, eating disorders are about food and not about the food. <laughs> so... Mm helping people to find balance if the food is all over the place. And I also work with the holistic Ayurvedic practitioners. So my friend and also like partner is using Ayurveda. That is an ancient holistic medicine system that has been existed for 5,000 years to assess what is the person's body constitution because each constitution is unique. So what works for you, Harriet, doesn't necessarily work works for me. So we're establishing this body constitution and based on that, she can tell the person what is best to eat and to avoid, etc. as a way to find balance. I don't give a diet. I don't give meal plans. It's not my expertise and I'm not a full believer in that, to be honest, but that's what I do for the menu aspect. Then movement, because movement, of course, mm. includes the body. And of course, there's a bit, I don't call it yoga because I know it can scare some people and they're like, oh no, I cannot do that. I'm too this way or not flexible enough or whatever. So, you know, I see where the person is and sometimes it's a little bit of stretching. Sometimes 
there's a lot of energy and stress. So we need to shake it and move it around. So yeah, that's when the yoga therapy aspect comes. And the last is very mindset because mm. we have to rewire the brain patterns. You know, we have to mm. unlearn the old ED behaviors to start to download the new program. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that's how I work. And I just love how each of my clients' journey is unique and how they're progressing and how they're shifting, you know, without even realizing. And sometimes some people take a quote-unquote long time, but then it happens more quickly or sometimes it kicks in immediately. And so it's very unique and I'm just mesmerized by the work that I do, <laughs> by my clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that sounds like a real kind of like vocation, isn't it? Something like through your own experience, it's become something you're incredibly passionate and yeah, you really enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful to hear. So Berenice, where can people find you if they want to, you know, get in touch or find out more about the work you do? Yes. So you can find me primarily on Facebook. So I think you will put it in the notes, but my just name, real name, feel free to add me as a friend, say hello in the message. Don't be shy. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm cool. And I love when people reach out like casually. I also have a private Facebook group where I share a lot of videos and support and thoughts on recovery. And I also hold casual interviews with other people who have recovered just to plant the recovery seed, you know, because I feel we don't talk enough about what recovery is like. We talk a lot about the struggle and how hard it is and blah, blah, blah. When I was struggling myself, I was looking for stories of hope, you know, and I didn't find many. So now I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> let's bring hope. And my group is called Eating Disorder Recovery Journey Dash Heal Your Mind, Body and Soul. It's on my Facebook profile. And you can also practice yoga with me on YouTube. So not yoga therapy, but just normal yoga, if I can say. And it's Berenice, my first name, and Miles, M-I-L-E-S. So that's my James Bond name for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, lovely. Well, thank you, Ben, Berenice. I'll make sure I put all of those details in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Harriet. Thank you so much for having me. And it was great. <laughs> I love talking with you. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story so openly. And yeah, it's just wonderful to hear. You've obviously been like in a very low place at various points, but you know, I can hear from everything you've said today, you know, you're in a very different place now. And, you know, it's just really inspiring and gives everybody, you know, so much hope about recovery and what's possible. Yes, absolutely. For anyone listening, it's not a walk in the park, but recovery is possible. And just be kind with yourself, seek help, do the work, keep the recovery goal in mind. And yeah, step by step every day, <laughs> it will happen. Yeah, that certainly will. And thank you so much, Veronese. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. Do go and check out all of Veronese's info in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate, and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. <music>